The man who discovered the blood moons is here with us. This is not good. This is one bucket wow. of pancakes. The man of the toupee. He's on the front page of New York There's no respect for white European males anymore. I think that if that happens, if Elon Musk does buy like a plot of land, that one day we're just gonna like take off like that city in Avengers Two, <laughs> and it's just gonna be like, we're like, well, Elon's in space now, not Elon. Jeff Bezos is in space, and then Elon Musk will have his rival city, and they'll just it'll be like Dune. It will be it will be good. It'll be oh, just like yeah. Dune. We'll have yeah. dueling Zeppelins. <laughs> yeah, steampunk hell. Just fucking rich assholes. <laughs> Can't wait till our corporate overlords become Confederate States of America or some shit. Like that's... No, they'll be in space. They'll be their own municipality, the space municipalities where slavery is legal. <laughs> I mean, it'll be yeah. good. They'll just eat, Amazon, eating a guana and yeah. They'll just pay you like Amazon dollars, right? Yeah. So like, you can oh yeah. At the Amazon store. Oh. Facebook wanted to do some Facebook bucks, sort of Jesus Facebook bank shit. shit. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg's also a weird freak <laughs> who's like, I think, I think the Roman Empire is cool. I want that to happen now, and it's like that didn't end well. So, yeah. Have fun, Facebook he, guy. He, he expresses yeah. that he expresses that solidarity with that haircut. That stupid ass haircut. <laughs> That's true. That's a working man's haircut. <laughs> it is funny that like a lot of like Republicans like constantly talk about like, you know, classics and like ancient Roman stuff. And they're like, that's what time we need to go back to times like that. It's like those are extremely gay times, though. Everyone was like butt fucking each other. And they're like, no, yeah, that's lies. Bro. It's. You'd be rubbing oil all over yourself and just, like, learning about, uh, I don't know. Wasn't Plato really into, like, boy love? Yeah. Isn't that? Yeah. yeah. Tisk, tisk. That's what Ben Shapiro wants. So, friend of the show, Ben Shapiro. <laughs> and that's the problem with, like, philosophy is that that's the starting point. It was, like, some dude. Rubbing oil. Like, Look, I can, yeah, it's like, I do this, but on the side, I'm also thinking about, like, how to make how the world works. Yeah, it's just some guy being like, why shouldn't I be able to hug boys? And then Karl Marx. <laughs> that's philosophy. Look, there's nothing wrong with giving boys foot massages. I'm Plato. <laughs> They're like fast forward, fun, we... but that's like that's like what birth Western civilization was. Boy foot yeah. rubs. <laughs> we are now, so Yeah, geez Louise. That's what you want to bring back, Gavin McGinnis. <laughs> also a friend of the show. Oh no, we haven't done an episode on Gavin yet. Oh. He's not a friend yet. 
And this is not the Gavin episode either. No. Oh, good. I am not prepared to talk about Gavin McInnes. No one is ever, I don't think. He's a piece of shit. Um, yeah, so this is the Spin Doctrines podcast. The podcast about propaganda and the people who peddle it. I'm Travis Reyes. I'm Kenny Van. I'm Amador Salazar. All right, and we have a special guest today. You want to introduce yourself or do you want me to do it? It's up to you. I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, hey, guys, I'm Connor Clifton. What's Hell. going on? Hell yeah. Uh, and I have here. a question for you, our first official guest on the podcast. Oh, shit. I'm the first yeah. guest. Oh, wow. Uh, the question is, why are you so serious? <laughs> <laughs> the Joker. 20, no, 2008. I don't know when that movie came out. We're not talking about The Joker today. <laughs> You want to know what we are talking about? What's that? We're talking about the time of kickflips and frosted tips of 182 <laughs> Blinks and Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> Where the sounds of Britney Spears fill your ears. Ladies and gentlemen, this is 1999. Hey. We are one year out from the Will Wynn. <laughs> That's our 1999 theme song. I created it myself. <laughs> created that for you, Connor. I know how much Thanks, you love man. Tim Allen and Lou Bega. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. My two favorite interests, my two favorite performances. I've been, uh, I was watching, this is like a quick t- aside, but I've been watching this documentary about the comedy store. And uh, when they got to the part where they were talking about the uh, the strike or the comic strike, they interviewed Tim Allen and he was like, he was like, uh, I think those people that stroke. The, the strike people, they were, like, really dumb. They should have been like me. I performed. I liked it that Miss... That, uh, what's her name? Mitzi Shore didn't pay me. I thought it was cool she didn't give me money. It made me work harder. And it's like, you <laughs> scam. <laughs> you, it worked the out for me. Man. I became Buzz Lightyear. My labor was exploited, and look, I got to be Buzz Lightyear. Who, he got replaced recently. Yeah. He got Chris replaced Evans. by Chris Evans. Captain America, Captain America is oh, Buzz Lightyear now. <laughs> When did that happen? Was that this the week? last one? Last Thursday, Disney announced like uh, all their new shit, and one of the upcoming uh, Disney Pixar movies is, look, you've asked for it. You must have. <laughs> Otherwise, why would we have made it? You're getting the story buzzed. The beginning <laughs> of Buzz Lightyear. You know, the character that the Buzz Lightyear toy is based on. <laughs> so it's not even Buzz Lightyear from the movie. It's a different Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, it is canonic. It is the like <laughs> Buzz Lightyear camp within the Toy Story universe, and they're making a. I don't know. It sounds maybe like the Toy Story guy. Maybe Tim Allen will be in it. It's like, come on, Woody, let's watch this movie. About <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, okay, Buzz, and then they. They, you know, they get him for like, hey, can we get you for two grand? 
Read these lines. Tim Allen. Tim Allen's like, I'll do it for free. I like being exploited. I love it. Have you seen my documentary? Uh, yeah, so we're talking about 1999, uh, mostly because I've been unemployed for the past week and a half, and uh, so I've just been reading and watching a lot of stuff, and uh, I was reading a book called uh, Best Film Year Ever or some shit about 1999, and uh, I noticed like a theme in a lot of the movies. Uh, yeah, so today we're going to talk about three of them. We're going to be talking about Fight Club, rated R, The Matrix, also rated R, and <laughs> Office Space, also rated R. Mm. All the naughty boys of 1999. Here's also a thing I uh, put together. Pete Buttigieg turned 17 in 1999. And oh, you shit. know he didn't see an oh. R-rated movie until he was like legally allowed to, because he's a good boy. So, which of these three do you think Pete saw? Oh, oh, Fight Club for sure. No, I think he saw The Matrix and related to Agent Smith. He was like, I like that guy. Oh, <laughs> that guy has right. good politics. I I would also say The Matrix. I'd say, I think he would work, uh, love The Matrix, man. <laughs> Truly. Because he was, don't forget, he was a Bernie oh, bro. Oh, at, he at was. And his favorite show Star Trek. And he... Had that weird thing where he hosted Jimmy Kimmel and had Picard oh. on, and he was like, I'm a socialist. <laughs> it's me, Patrick Stewart. I like Bernie Sanders. And he was like, oh, my hero. <laughs> but I do think he saw The Matrix, and I don't think he liked Neo. <laughs> I think he liked <laughs> The Matrix. I think he's like, I like this. This is good. Yeah, the, the Anderson agents. Like no, Anderson's very, Neo. We'll get into it. But it, that was the thing that confused McKenzie. me. Too. Yeah. He was like, I would have been so. in the CIA. Uh, yeah, so I want to get into a few things I have about 1999. Um, so 1999 was, is a weird year. Um, obviously, everyone was freaking out about Y2K. <laughs> Computers are going to kill us. Uh, but we also had like real a really strong economy, uh, stable prices for goods and services, record low unemployment, stable lending rates. Uh, we were kind of in the middle of the dot com boom. Not the middle, but it was like when all the money was getting spread out. It was like the rise of Amazon and the rise of uh, Apple was getting big. Um, Cuban. Cuban. Yeah. We're <laughs> <laughs> Yahoo. Yeah, we Dallas just got. You invented yeah. radio. <laughs> Isn't that what he got paid for? He's like, I invented a way to listen to Mavericks games when you live in Denver. Like, he invented online radio <laughs> or some weird shit. Yeah, he did a lot of... I, I, he also, I think, owned Yahoo at some point. I, but, think, I think it was, he might have been the CEO of Yahoo. Yeah. But 1999 was that time where, since the economy was strong and the internet was still new, like, people, Amazon wasn't, like, Amazon was literally where you just bought books still. So people were like, this is cool to add to Borders books, which will never go away. Whoops. And so they were just, like, throwing money at, like, anyone who, like, had any type of invention. So there were, like, all sorts of wealth being made from the internet. Um, also, from 1995 to 2000s, most Americans received a steady pay raise every year. Uh... 
the middle class earned five thousand dollars more a year than they earned in twenty fourteen. Um, and also nineteen ninety nine was uh the highest. Uh, it was the year. Oh, sorry. It was nineteen ninety nine. Uh, had the highest union membership since nineteen seventy nine. Whoa. So that was another. That was probably a factor in, um, you know, pay steady increasing and people not getting fired. And it also, um, I'm sure it's unrelated that, like, you know, the rise of, you know, Jeff Bezos and Steve Jobs correlated with uh, unions being crushed. I'm sure, that has no connection whatsoever. Um. Yeah. The future was bright, is what I'm saying, fellas. We had uh, the future <laughs> was bright. The pizza crust, it was a stuffed with cheese. Nice. We had a what good a president, the first black president, if you ask me, in my humble opinion. <laughs> hey, playing saxophone, respecting women, not doing anything weird with cigars. Uh, <laughs> we thought the. <laughs> We thought the middle class and the Twin Towers were going to stay strong forever. Ah, oh, gee. <laughs> Are you the saying Fight Club inspired Al-Qaeda? Yeah, they're Ooh. big Venture fans. They're like, oh, the guy who made Seven made a movie? And they were like, oh, shit. <laughs> or they call it 72, not 7. Ah. <laughs> uh, 1999, like I said, 1999 was also a big year for entertainment. Um, we had releases of uh, movies like Eyes Wide Shut, American Pie, Blair Witch, Magnolia, Iron Giant, The Sixth Sense, Deep Blue Sea, Toy Story 2, Brendan Fraser's The Mummy, Ooh. Deuce Bigelow 1, <laughs> The Wild Wild West, the best Will Smith movie. And uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this one, Universal Soldier 2, starring Bill Goldberg. Did you guys ever watch that? <laughs> Can't tell. Nope. I was really into wrestling, and I watched the shit out of that movie. That's why I put it on the list. It was my favorite movie in 1999, hands down. Even now. I watched Magnolia, and I'm like, this is no... Universal Soldier, The Return, starring William F. Goldberg. <laughs> uh, but there was also like a lot of con political kind of unrest in 1999. There were the World Trade Organization uh, protests in Seattle. Um, yeah. So there was like kind of, and it seemed like... Like, I don't know, I, I had to look this up because I don't remember a lot of ads because I was nine, but it was, like, chic for, like, the Gap to be, like, join the revolution and have, like, people in, like, 1999's where, like, the, um, the, the shitty thing hat comics say where it's like, they sell Gap t-shirts with Che Guevara on it, oh! Like, that's from, like, 1999. It was, like, chic to be, like, revolutionary and anti, like, Capitalist, but also like still a shill. Um, and so I think that's a theme that runs through a lot of these movies. The three I picked, the three I picked today: Fight Club, uh, The Matrix, and Office Space. It it also has like a lot. The 
this theme pops up a lot in like American Beauty, which I didn't want to watch for obvious reasons. It's uh, too good. And, uh, in 2000, um, so so it was in production, obviously, in 1999, uh, American Psycho came out, which are all themes that kind of deal with like these disenfranchised, middle class, like white, just kind of nobodies. I feel like that's like the main theme in all these movies where they're just kind of like very unspectacular white dudes who are like fed up that they're not they don't have more power but it's presented as like this system's fucked and it's like there's no real like message of class solidarity it's just kind of like these guys be like isn't it isn't it shitty that i'm like the boss i feel like that's kind of like a running thing in a lot of those these movies none of these guys had like bad lives I mean, Neo technically wasn't like plugged into like a weird computer, <laughs> like as a fetus guy, but he didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine though, like what the fuck he thought he was getting himself into versus what he was actually getting himself into. Well, let's talk about the Matrix first, since it seems like we're diving into that. Uh, I hated it. I hated it. That was the goofiest movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. It does not hold up. That's for sure. Yeah, I was not a fan. Out of all the movies, uh, out, of, out of all three of these, this was the one that I just like zoned out on. I was looking at my phone. I was doing other shit. It just, it, I, I didn't like it the first time I saw it when I was like 10. And I still, to this day, I'm like, this is fucking boring. I don't like it. I think I tricked myself into thinking I liked it when I was 10 because of that scene and the, uh, like when they're breaking Morpheus out of the office building. <laughs> Uh, also, what year did Columbine happen? That's like ninety eight. Yeah. Okay, because I was gonna say it seemed in bad taste that they're the big like action set piece is two people in like trench coats and duffel bags full of guns. And I was like, did this? They had to like right. Oh, that was intentional. That was uh, Wachowski's are lying. Columbine truthers. They're like, it's just cool when everyone wears leather and shoots everyone. <laughs> no, well, that's what I was thinking. Because there was that shitty movie uh, that Ryan Gosling, Gangster Squad or Gangster Boys or whatever it's called. <laughs> which, like, like Sean Penn. Movie. And they had, like, a scene in the movie where, like, a movie theater got shot up. And it was, like, after the uh, Aurora thing. And so they went and they cut it out. So that's what I was thinking. Like, did this happen before Columbine, or did people just not give a shit in like 1999? Were they just like, yeah? So, so it looks like uh, Columbine happened in 1999, uh, April 20th, 1999. Okay, and that's... I think this movie came out like May or June. Yeah. Okay, so it probably just lined up. Okay. Well, also, also, it was also diving into like raver fashion at the time. So, I mean, that trench coats were probably much more stylish uh, around that time. Yeah, that's true. I did take some notes. This is the only movie I took notes on. Oh, oh, nice. I had only three things that stood out to me, and one <laughs> was uh, Cipher. The character who betrays everyone. Cypher. No siphing. Yeah. That's a sketch yeah, phrase. Yeah. <laughs> he just desperately wants to taste the fucking steak again. And so he's like, I'll sell out humanity. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> like I, I want to eat at the exclusive diners club. Please let me in. <laughs> that that was like the first mark of like, oh, this is the scab. This is the one who betrays everyone. Um, obviously, but when you first meet him, his first line is to Neo, where he goes, "It means buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy. Kansas is going bye bye." <laughs> and like, I rolled my eyes at it, but I thought. I don't know if I could do any better in explaining what is about to happen to Neo. <laughs> and then the other thing, this, this really threw me off, was that uh, Morpheus reminded me of, like, we see a lot of moral absolutism sometimes, and that he was saying that, like, you see all these people around us, they're still slaves to the system, but they're not woke like us. He didn't say woke, I'm paraphrasing. He's like, they're not awake like us, therefore they're the enemy. They are our enemy. Like, oh, shit, Morpheus is down to just, like, kill everyone who doesn't stand with him. It's interesting you say that. because <laughs> not only that, oh, but does not go any better. Yeah. To me, that was, like, the first part where I was, like, like, because, like, you was on my phone, and when he got, went to his long speech about that, I was, like, ah, oh, this is, okay, this is, like, a QAnon, like, fucking anti, okay, this is, like, every asshole you fight with on Reddit that's just, like, if you're too blind to see, then you will be wiped out like the sheep. And it's like, oh, sorry, I don't think John F. Kennedy Jr. is alive. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, Those people are getting stabbed in D.C. right now. It's crazy. Yeah, Ugh. because they watch Those The Matrix too much. <laughs> yeah, that is Fight Club for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the Matrix to me was more... Um, We'll get into it, the Fight Club thing, but Matrix to me was more kind of like uh, the the Chan kind of culture and like the conspiracy kind of, Alex Jonesy kind of. Yeah. You could tell that the, all, the, all the computers and all like the like, we're awake, you're asleep. And it's like, all right, you're, this is also goofy, just like QAnon. It's all goofy <laughs> nonsense. I don't know why any of you like this. Yeah, it's all pretty bullshitty. It does make me <laughs> kind of happy, though, that, like, red-pilled is a term that obviously comes from the Matrix that these right-wingers use, and <laughs> most of the creators of the Matrix are, are transgender people, so that, that, yeah. make me, that is a very strange thing. So, I, I texted Travis about this, but I read an interview with the Wachowskis where they said, uh, re-watch the Matrix through the lens of our transness sometimes like see what you mm-hmm. see if it takes a different uh, a different tone and i did this time and uh i found it to be a two hour and 15 minute movie about gender roles that went on too long <laughs> 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 I, I i i kind of saw the whole idea of you're being told to be something that you're not and i think that that really uh rings true in the matrix movies and get on the wikowskis for Figuring that stuff out didn't make that movie any better, any less QAnon, any less conspiracy theory feeling. Yeah, because well, it's still Keanu running around. Yeah, it's still like food, a yeah. regular. It's still like a white guy who works in a cubicle who just like gets told you're like God now, and he's like, "Whoa!" So, by the way, that's his literal reaction after Neo's like. Humans are batteries, and we're all in this machine thing. It cuts to Neo, and he's like, "Whoa, no!" And I'm like that's that's good. I like that acting, Keanu. 
Um, oh shit. Y'all want to move on to Fight Club? Um, yeah, and this is... Yeah, this is kind of like a note I have on both of it. I guess we'll get into it when we get to Fight Club. But uh, the Matrix and that, I think that's kind of where... It's less of a critique on capital for both of them, but they have like that weird re- representation of like humans as like commodity. For in Fight Club, Brad Pitt's character is using like fat to make soap. And in the Matrix, they're like, you're literally batteries <laughs> to planet our thing. So I think that's <laughs> kind of where. Uh, and I watched like YouTube essays where people were like, this is like the major theme of the movie. And I'm like, to me, in both those movies, they were just like weird little things that I was kind of like, oh, cool. That's kind of like a critique on like, you know. Yeah. It went from physical bodies walking as. Walking that line of kind of like an anti capitalist message to like the protagonist of every film being like a fucking normal white dude who's like not, doesn't have that hard of a life. It goes from like being an anti capitalist, like we commodify everything, to being like, you're not getting what you deserve. Well, and that's a weird message when your fucking like protagonist is a guy who's like just a regular straight white dude. One of the things that was weird to me about the uh the Matrix is they did have these kind of like this running kind of anti-capitalist streak. But also like so many of those images in the past 20 years have been used in like commercials. Like the part where he's like, we need guns, and it's just a wall of guns. I was just like, that's a car commercial. <laughs> that's for fucking Carvana or some shit. Yeah. And like the scene when he, the red pill, blue pill scene, they literally did that in a pistachios ad. It's just like, it made it, I don't know, it made it all seem like super toothless to me. Where it's just like, people, to me it was like people reading into this are trying to, I don't think you can make that in, call it anti-capitalist now because it's been so commodified to be like which i mean i think is an issue with a lot of pop culture but yeah the wakowskis have definitely cashed in on uh the popularity of this brand <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, all right fine yeah I, I, if they want to cash in that's great but eventually they're going to have to reckon with the fact that they've created the whole red pill movement <laughs> so the fourth one's I coming like out the- I like 2020 for the diversity of uh, pills. Like, there's black pill. There's all these different colored pills. It's great. This Clown is pill. I want. Yeah. <laughs> so the fourth one's coming out on HBO Max sometime in 2021. And I wonder mm-hmm. if the Wachowskis will do anything with that. Will they just have, like, Neo be like, like... I imagine We fucked so. up. I, and... I really think that they will. Uh we can get into it more when we talk about Fight Club, but I read a Fight Club comic book sequel Ooh. that Chuck Palahniuk made, and it's really heavily about reckoning with uh, one of your characters has outlived you and has created something awful. Oh, shit. It's very meta in that yeah. way. Uh, and I, I, of course, I think the Wachowskis, um, they're not going to make the fourth one being about like yeah red pulling still a thing and it's awesome it might be something like the last <laughs> it might be something like the last jedi where they're like 
red pill, blue pill, the old ways must die, and <laughs> some dumb shit like that. Guess what, nerds? Neo is a lady now, and they're just like, ah! Yeah, they could, they could do something like that. Something that would really upset all these people who seriously say red pill, blue pill. They use Matrix as, like, the basis for their... Like, I feel like the Matrix is, like, a jumping in point for, I guess, quote-unquote, like, normies that get, like, pilled is they're just like, you know, blue pill, red pill, like the Matrix, and they're like, oh, cool. Well, I know which one to take because that pill's good in the movie. And then yeah. they're like, Podesta, Pizzagate! And then these people's minds are just, like, destroyed. And then they, and then they just wake up and become Republicans. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it's like the ability to start seeing patterns and then, like, deja vu, and they're like, oh, wait, no, all of this is connected to QAnon. So, like... They just see like patterns and numbers and like all this weird shit that doesn't actually. Which is make literally like the thing in the Matrix where it's like deja yeah. vu and yeah. yeah, that's what happens when they're at the weird rave club and they're playing my favorite song. I thought of a joke when I watched that movie and I I couldn't remember it for the life of me and he just reminded me. All right. Uh, so that was a remix of uh, the uh, the Rob Zombie song Dragula, and there was another remix of Tyler Perry's Dragula. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, Tyler All Perry right. should remake the Matrix trilogy with Medea as Neo. <laughs> he's just he does that weird like the Bruce Lee thing he does like a bunch of times, where he just gets in a stance and does the weird, little hand thing, but Tyler, but. Neo's like, how you doing? That's a very 90s thing, Travis. It's like, Grandma rats and does karate now. Oh, like, yeah, that'd be like a Robin Williams movie. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> and with all those, like, cool Matrix, like, action shots. So, Medea dodging bullets. I did, like, I did like the ending <laughs> of The Matrix before we move on to Fight Club, where he just, like, Stands in the middle of the city and he goes, Wee! It just like takes off in the air. And then, like, a Rage Against the Machine song starts playing. (laughs) At the end of the movie, I sat there, turned on closed captioning, and read the lyrics to that Rage Against the Machine song. Like, man, that if if only they knew, like, how this movie would be so badly co opted. That's what's funny about, like, I feel bad for Zach Della Rocha, because I feel like he's, like, legitimately kind of, like, a revolutionary mind. But he's always like, yeah, Regicus Machine, they're like, you're in a Pepsi ad now. And he's like, cool, run the jewels. And it's like, yeah, you, <laughs> Killer Mike is telling people to, like, eat vegetables. And it's just like, everything you do just gets co-opted. Yeah, just... and Paul Ryan loves your shit. Oh. You see yeah. that clip of those like Trump supporters and that little pen just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with their, it's like a with weird their, petting zoo, like with their police like blue lives. Well, it's yeah. crazy because they're listening to the like some of those that want forces are the same that Burt crosses and they're just like, yeah, fucking, this is our <laughs> this is our Trump song, and it's like, <laughs> like hell yeah. Hell yeah, the KKK has infiltrated our police forces. That's good. Like, we have been pilled. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's move on to Fight Club. Um, just to like recap, I do kind of feel like the Matrix did have ideas. 
I don't feel like they were well executed. I feel like they did have ideas about, you know, kind of capitalism and the system. And I feel like the uh, Agent Smiths are definitely in a way to um, kind of stand in for kind of like CIA, FBI kind of things and kind of government, like, I guess, overreach. But I also feel like at the same time, they're just like, well, let's make Superman. Like, I feel like it had ideas, but then the end of it was like, wouldn't it be cool if, like, this, like, IT guy became, like, Goku or something? And it's like, <laughs> kind of, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Trinity should have been the hero, I think. It started with her, like, doing a badass thing. And then Neo comes in and she's like, oh, God, the Oracle told me I'd fall in love with, like, a stupid asshole and <laughs> he'd die. And then her that becomes, like, her story. There's, like, no development past, like... It just seemed Did like... Did anyone in this movie have any development? Like, is that a Trinity problem? Or is that just, like, the Wachowskis are not very good at making rich characters? I think it's a Wachowski problem, but also Nia's, oh, yeah. like, the least interesting of all of them. Movie. Morpheus at I least, watched... like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I think I watched that movie Jupiter Ascending, instead of The Matrix. <laughs> 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 Are we talking about the same thing with this, like, space werewolves and vampires? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I think the people that made uh, the Space Werewolves movie and the Tom Hanks pretending to be Chinese movie are uh, probably not the best at developing characters. So I think you're yeah, right, Connor. Like, like I said earlier, like the, 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 the main villain, his motivation is that he wants to eat a steak. Like he doesn't like oatmeal. <laughs> yeah, and Agent Smith is like, you know, like by doing this, all your friends will die. And he's like, yeah, I just want a steak to be like rich in this weird like Sims world you created. Like he knows it's not real. And he's like, yeah, I want to eat this fake steak and like live on a yacht. Yeah, it's a it's a bad movie. It's like it's a cool concept, like you said, Travis. That is not executed well at all. And honestly, the special effects drove the popularity of that movie. Yeah, and now they are garbage. Like that, <laughs> <laughs> they were so bad. <laughs> extremely laid out. Yeah, but like, sure, no one's developed. But like, I feel like Morpheus is at least like an interesting. I liked watching. Morpheus. I think, like, Lawrence Fishburne is, like, a good actor. He has, like, gravity on the screen. And I was like, fuck you. What you're saying is very stupid, but I like hearing you say it. And you're weird, like, Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> like, theater guy voice. He did a good job. I think Neo's the worst part of that movie. Yeah. That, that and, and undercuts the message of the movie, <laughs> like, in a weird way. Where you could just be a boring white idiot and still be Goku. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it, it is really strange to think of like you are you are shackled into this society that has been constructed for you, and the only thing that can save you from it is this Christ-like figure that has the ability to reconstruct reality. So you're just gonna have to do what he says at the end of it. Yeah, yeah like wouldn't it have been like much more powerful of a message of like these ragtag team of like fucking nobodies? Like there wasn't a one. There was just yeah. people overcoming. If there was, like, solidarity between. Yeah. That's that's too much communism in a movie. That's... Well, even, like, in, like, the other Matrix, in, like, the second and, like, the third one, they're doing, like, weird, like... Okay, we're having, like, a big, like, army fight with, like, these weird Squidward robots. 
<laughs> and and the whole time they're like shooting him. They're like, Neil, better hurry up and be God, or we're gonna die. And it's like, like you're just tying your whole fate into this guy who is like working IT at an office building. <laughs> like it's I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, you guys ready to move on to Fight Club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Um... How did you guys feel about Fight Club? I loved it. I'll say it. I'll fucking admit it. I love Fight Club. Yeah. I like the book. I, I'm a big Polonic fan, so I love the book. I really like the movie. Uh, I hate that the movie has also been co-opted by these, like, fucking pricks. Like, these alpha... It is the most alpha shit I've ever seen. <laughs> it, is a, it is a very alpha movie. Well, it's also extremely gay. Fight Club's also, like, an extremely homoerotic, like, movie. Yeah. There's that scene where uh, the guy takes off his wedding ring and puts it in his coat pocket before he, like, takes out his shame and rage on some other dudes. And, like, a it's so wet. It's like a bathhouse everywhere. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was watching and this uh, analysis of the film, and they were saying, like, if you – I don't know. It's probably a basic thing, but I didn't notice it. Where, like, the Jared Leto character, they make him, like, look – kind of like Tyler Durden with the hair and they're like both like handsome guys and like so it like symbolizes his like kind of like uh what's what the fuck's the character's name Edward Norton it's uh, kind of unnamed. like yeah he, he doesn't have a name yeah he's essentially Tyler Durden but yeah Edward Norton right. just call him Edward Norton from now on yeah where Edward Norton yeah. like sees um Jared Leto and it's like he's like upset that he can't have him, so he like pummels him, and it's like, oh, that's like really gay. Yeah, and what does like, he say after he I like want to pummels destroy him? something he's... beautiful? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I like the flash. He like beats him, beats him up because Tyler Durden's giving him attention. So like the manifestation of like his perfect man, and then this guy that he <laughs> that like kind of fits that. Like he takes that out on this guy, and it's like, oh, this is like a really gay movie. It's it's very interesting in that like so both of these movies you know the Matrix is written and directed by these trans people trans sisters and uh, Fight Club written by Chuck Palahniuk and as we're talking about like it's just about repressed sexuality in men and how it manifests violence and domination and destruction and both of these movies gay trans lit have been co-opted by the fucking proud boys and the most violent people who try and do that that shit where they're like yeah initiation into the proud boys is you have to fight each other and it's so wild and interesting i don't know i'm i'm not trying to defend them but i'm just i'm mystified that this it's very weird how they missed the point especially with fight club that, so yeah. I think that's David Fincher's fault. No, I think yeah, Fight Club was like a movie. Like I don't like. I think it's like you know how like people like read Watchmen or watch Watchmen, and then they're like Rorschach's amazing, and it's like oh he's a fascist. It's like yeah. Fight Club. Like I rewatched it, and obviously, and I was like, oh, you're not like these are characters you're not supposed to like aspire to be but the movie frames them in a way where like 
it's it, it kind of romanticizes Edward Norton's character in a way that I I don't think was supposed to be the thing. So I think like a lot of people took that like you're like supposed to relate to that disaffectedness, but you're not supposed to be like, oh yeah, let's do let's become proud boys. Yeah, the I, tower shouldn't have blown up at the end. Yeah, I feel and like I think, it did a good job for like the first hour and a half of being like, oh, this is like. This is satirizing something. Not satirizing, yeah. but like just kind of like the scene on the bus when he's like looking at like the Calvin Klein guy and he says to Brad Pitt, who's like the most handsome guy who's ever lived, he's like, Is that what a fucking man looks like? And Brad Pitt's like, Men are supposed to be tough and rough. And it's like, You're like the most jacked dude on earth. Like, you, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and it's like, Okay. So I feel like it does that, but then like the project, the Project Mayhem stuff is for me where it goes off the rails, and I'm like, all right, yeah. well now it's not kind of like satirical or like anymore. <laughs> it's like I, I wrote down some of the things that they did that was supposed to be like them like organizing and doing like these weird demos or whatever, but they're like they like changed a fucking sign and just said hey motor oil is good for your lawn so it's like weird like rick perry would agree with that so like why is that the thing that y'all are doing or like okay. when tyler jordan's like about to like shoot that dude in the head and then but like oh, he's, he's like, like what what'd you do and he's like oh I'm, i was a veterinarian or whatever and he's like oh his breakfast is gonna be fucking incredible tomorrow it's like stupid bro like Libertarian. Can I just say I saw that movie and I I saw that like that scene in particular was one I've always had a problem with because it's just like such a disconnect of like that's such like a fucking like like not the heart but like again that's like that's such a fucking white guy thing to be like oh you don't like your lot in life well just like wake the fuck up and do something different it's like yeah no you don't know this guy's fucking situation (laughs) which is funny because the plot of the movie is like. Like what you said, you don't like your lot in life? Wake the fuck up and do something different. Where the main guy blew up his own house. And was like, I'm gonna live in a, I'm gonna live in garbage. <laughs> like that was how he fixed his There is like an anti like consumerist like message in it that is I think at that time was interesting. Yeah. Um it's... and and that part of it appealed to me when I was younger. And the reason, and was the reason why, like I read the book. I first watched the movie. I feel I like book, when you, and then I liked the book. But yeah, I feel like once you get more and you learn more about like kind of you know socialism and you get into like Marx and stuff, you kind of go, oh, this movie is like anti, like uh, what's it called, like product fetishment or what? I don't remember the word he uses for it. Um, oh, the fetish- fetishization of commodity. Yeah. yeah, I feel it's definitely that where it's like with the Ikea and all that stuff. It's definitely like, you know, anti that. But as far as like the actual anti like um, capitalist message goes, it's like, I don't feel like it's like, it's like smoking. It's like Joe Rogan smoking weed shit. Like it's like, wouldn't it be cool if it just like blew up? There'd be no credit card debt if we fucking it's like, all right, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I I blew up my credit card after this, and now I have no debt. Like, 
it's definitely trying to show I think with where David Fincher kind of Kenny where you said maybe glorified Tyler Durden um or even in what you're saying like this disconnect of these these merry prankster-esque things that they're doing and how quickly it escalated and I think he's really trying to show off like hey look how easily men can be radicalized and I also wanted to mention on your point that this is kind of anti-capitalistic and crazy for its time in 1999. How upsetting for it to then enter to like opulence of the 2000s in the Bush era. Yeah. And you, you see those towers blowing up at the end of Fight Club and you're supposed to think like, wow, he did it, man. What could fucking happen? Don't you just want to go ape shit? And if they didn't do it, <laughs> Like, who knows what would happen? I wonder if, in all earnestness, I wonder if 9-11 happening after the release of this movie may have awoken something in people that led to this Proud Boy movement. Just seeing violence all the time like that. Yeah, just kind of, like, taking the wrong kind of, like, instead of realizing it's like a weird cautionary tale about, like, you know, dude, some mental illness and clearly some unresolved yeah. issues with, you know, feelings instead of taking like, you know, that message, if they just took like, you know, cause like, I remember we're all like kind of the same age, right? We're all like 30, 30, yeah. late twenties, 30 ish. But like, I remember like that was on TV, like all the time is just like footage of like the war. Yeah, and it was that was it from like eleven to like now, where it's just like, yeah, yeah, and it's how easy it is from just kind of one, um, like if one thing goes different, you can be on that side of this. It's very, it's like a disconcerting thought. Yeah, I think these movies are speaking to like that sense of, you know, despair that like, you know, living in America like is, but like the answers are like all just like dive deeper into nihilism or like, don't like, don't do anything constructive or something that could actually like change things because you have to wait for the one or Q uh, or you know, a Tyler Durden type organizer. Oops, it's the Proud Boys. It's like, ah, shit. Here's like a weird thing I read just kind of like looking up on Reddit just to see what people's like thoughts are about this politically. And one of the point like a lot of conservatives were saying was like, this movie's actually a critique of like socialism because see how like Tyler Durden's anti-capitalist and then he, all of his people, like they, they get rid of their names and they're just all about the cause. And I'm like, no, that's what you idiots are doing. Like, if you actually, like, look at, like, Marx and Engels, they're like, yeah, that's yeah. bullshit. Tyler Durden is anti-social in the biggest way in that he is, like, anti-society. Like, these, these, you, you can watch this movie and, and delude yourself into thinking there's a leftist communal thing in it. But if Tyler Durden and Project Mayhem were allowed to grow, eventually a culling would happen. Yeah. Like the, the 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 end game for Project Mayhem is not a restarting of society. It's just fucking chaos, and any kind of re, any kind of 
society that begins to coalesce, Kyler Durden's going to pick at it until it falls apart. But he, he's not uh, – Man, saying this out loud, I, I'm starting to be on your side, Kenny. Fetcher really should have uh, not cast someone so fucking cool. <laughs> well, that's his thing from like the first scene when they're on the plane, Woods, and then no one would fucking like Tyler <laughs> Durden. They should have cast Gandolfini as now. Gandolfini's cool though. <laughs> Gandolfini, if he was just like a. <sighs> the whole time is this what a man looks like? He's just like a big fat. <laughs> But that yeah, first scene on the plane. I think that like the point the movie's trying to make, or I haven't read the book, but I was watching the movie like I was like, I think that the point that the, they're trying to make is getting overshadowed by like the just the choices that they made, uh, like the film direction of this. Because like ultimately I think also why it kind of seems like a shallow movie is that it's ultimately a, just an exorcism, like an exercise of narcissism on Ed Norton's part. None yeah. of the members of the fight club are really have any solidarity or connection to each other other than their like rage and their disaffectedness. That's not culminated into anything. And Edward Norton is just trying to figure out who he is. And he started a movement almost just by like accident. And it's like, oh no, it's totally by accident. Yeah, like ultimately, it's yeah. kind of like. To your point, Kenny, um, Meatloaf's character, Robert Paulson, is the one person that Edward Norton tries to like actually form a bond with outside of the support group, and it, it, he wasn't ready. And like, cause he he he's the only person who grabs the stuff and tries to leave. And Edward Norton's like, "Hey, wait, no, come back, come back. Just wait three days and you'll be fine." Hmm. And then he gets fucking shot. So it's also this message of like, "Hey, don't try to be friends with anyone." Well, even like <laughs> the Marla Singer character, where she's just like always trying to get close to Edward Norton, and he's like, they play it off as like, "I don't know what I'm doing because I'm crazy," and I think Brad Pitt is me. But he's just, like, gaslighting the shit out of her the whole movie. And he's just like, what are you, dumb? What are you, like, an idiot whore? <laughs> like, to this lady yeah. the whole... And, she, and it's weird, because she just keeps coming back until, like, the end, where he's like, Tyler Durden's not here! He's not here, man! And she, like, leaves, and it's like, why is that the breaking point? He's literally been doing that to you the whole time you've known... It's very weird that that's her point, where she's like, I want nothing to do with you. It's just where he does the thing he's... That's my, favorite, sorry, that, that's my favorite part of the movie is the very end where he's like shot himself. Uh, <laughs> spoiler. And he's like, uh, trust me, you caught me at a crazy time in my life. Yeah. I started to watch skyscrapers blow the fuck up. You know what they did? They do a 9 11. Like, he's like, oh boy, this is a weird movies. time for me. And then, like, look at this 9 11 I just did. It's just like. <laughs> The Pixies play, and it's like, what is this? <laughs> this is weird. Absolutely. I wish they didn't have that line where Brad Pitt or like Tyler Durden's character like tells Edward Norton, "Oh, those buildings—they don't have anybody in them." Like, no, they do. <laughs> they just killed a bunch of fucking people. They have janitors in there for sure, right? Well, they—he said security and maintenance are all Project Mayhem members. Ah, oh. yeah. So they—he's been planning this forever. Uh. Yeah, it's a silly movie, but I like it. I 
I feel like like with like the like what you were saying with like the I feel like this could happen with like a leftist group, but they would be like the weird like Trotsky Trotskyites, which is like these weird offshoots that are like we hate everyone who's not the exact same level of like communist as us, and there's like twenty yeah. people in the group. But but that's the kind of the thing that I would like but that was the thing that I read that like stuck with me that was like oh, this is what like Republicans think like well, maybe not like the there's like bad actors, but definitely like the stupid ones on like Reddit and like Facebook think like when you go see this is what like socialism or this is what communism's like where it's like they strip of your name and your purpose and it's like no, that's just Tyler Durden being a psychopath. Yeah, like he he just wanted like anarchy. That's all. Well, it wasn't anarchy because he like needed everything to be ordered. I don't know. Yeah, definitely fascist in approach wherein like everyone had to like shave their head and then like be a part of the group. And it's weird, though, because like, yeah, I mean, like there are like weird lefty people who are cult like so he's forming fucking ISIS is what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, he's literally making a terrorist group. Yeah. It's it's the meme of like everyone saying Y'all Qaeda. Like, this is that. Y'all-Qaeda, yeah. Yeah, this is Y'all-Qaeda. <laughs> hey, hey, people who take people who take the wrong message from Fight Club, can we say that there have been a uh, fight build? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> My favorite part in the movie was in Jared Leto. Jared Leto was like, why are you so serious? And then like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Meatloaf doesn't believe in climate change, right? He thinks yeah. It's, yeah, that's a bummer. He's my favorite character in this movie. I like Bob. Meatloaf is great in nearly everything he does, except for Twitter. <laughs> He's awful. <laughs> that's how so many of these old people are, where it's like, I like so much of the stuff you do, and then... I was going to say John Cleese, but I hate Monty Python, so... Dang. Wait, I don't think it's funny, or good. I don't, I don't either. I only like Holy Grail. I think everything else is kind of dumb. Nice, that's our fight club. It's just a bunch of guys who hate Monty Python. We have more guys around this specific demand. Yeah. If this is your first night, you must have a sketch that you hate. <laughs> you talk about it. Convince everyone why the dead parrot sketch is whack. <sighs> um, yeah, well, I think like a theme with, before we move on to Office Space, a theme with both Matrix and... Um, Fight Club is like kind of being disenfranchised with kind of I don't know if it would be the American dream, but just kind of like the progression of like of being an adult where it's like you get a job and you have you have an apartment and you have stuff and you eventually start a family and you have, you know, a wife and you have a kid and it's like, doesn't that suck? Wouldn't it be cool just to like live in like a shithole sh- like dilapidated building? And like fucking fight other dudes, or it's like, wouldn't it be cool just to like drop out of society and be the Matrix or fucking whatever? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, that's a very specific thing to like 1999, where there was like prosperity. Because I feel like in 2020, there's so many people who are our age or younger that are like, well, I'm never gonna have a house. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I can't afford to get married. I can't afford to have kids. And they feel like they were robbed of the opportunity to even do that. Or in 1999, I feel like they were like, 
I'm expected to do all this shit. Like, I just want to fight my friends in a basement. There was, that was a weird thing. We, Me and Hillary actually watched uh, Pretty Woman recently. Ooh. And uh, we were like, why, there's like the shop scene where or she's going to all the shops and stuff. And then like, Hillary's like, oh, could you imagine being alive during this time? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I was t- like technically <laughs> alive during the 90s. But like that, like I didn't really start like everything that has formed who I am has been like post 9-11, like Iraq yeah. war, all this shit, like the Great Recession. And now like obviously the COVID depression and all that shit. Like, Sorry, I don't know how dogs people a who are like who were like 20 during the 90s are dealing with. Yeah. Well, they it's, all became it, that's like the thing I was thinking too with like the popular music at the time it was like Marilyn Manson and like fucking new metal which like had this kind of anti authoritarian streak to man, it. But all those of, guys are like right-wing dipshits now. All like the new metal guys are like ridiculous like free speech warrior yeah. libertarian guys and, now. Kenny, the way that people dealt with that uh, when they were 20 in the 90s was uh, they went to Iraq and Afghanistan to kill people. <laughs> we were just talking about fucking uh, Columbine. This was this was a, a period of American violence within white people that they just didn't want to talk about. Like, oh, man, white people are going fucking nuts right now. We had Waco. We had Ruby Ridge. We Ooh, had... The uh, Oklahoma City yeah. bomber. We got Columbine, and then in a year we got nine eleven. Everyone's like, "Oh, I know how to fucking deal with this anger I've been feeling," and then they yeah. just go to, you know, some other country to kill people. It's yeah. weird how like Fight Club, you go from Fight Club to like Jordan Peterson's book, and like that's still the main thread. It's like disaffected like white dudes. It's like how do we deal with them? Like, we all have to fix them somehow. Clean your room. Like, you know, it's it, weird. Here's, like, a weird, <laughs> here's like a weird thing. Like, so, obviously, this is a podcast about shitty people. So, I, like, watch a lot of, like, speeches from shitty people, like neo-Nazis. And they, like, a lot of the, like, big neo-Nazi speakers do that Tyler Durden thing where they're, like, you know, tell some bullshit story. Like, is that how a man's supposed to be? Is that how, like, you know... Is that like animal instinct kind of shit? But the thing is, they lack the charisma for that to like sound decent. So it's just kind of like, all right, like they're doing a Tyler Durden thing, and it scares the shit out of me to think like, fuck, if they ever find a guy who is like Tyler Durden, you know what I mean? Like, if the right finds a guy who's like that level of like, you know, charming and charismatic and like handsome. And it's like, well, we're fucked because they're already like taking they're, kind they're of the rhetoric like, of that, of like the fight club kind of aesthetic of like. They, they like got their fucking world rocked by Donald Trump. Could you imagine what like somebody with actual charisma could do? <laughs> they're like prepped and ready for this shit. Yeah, if they ran hey, like speaking a speaking of, have y'all seen Dan Crenshaw's Georgia Reloaded? <laughs> oh. oh no, he's when we Tyler... watched that, all I could think was money, 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 money. <laughs> like, this is this is it. He's building his brand. 
so that when he runs with the like fucking Avengers, he can be like, see, Nick Fury and Tony Stark endorsed me, and then he's the fucking president. This is oh. Republicans Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> this is their ten-year plan of putting together. The this is their Tyler Dirt. Oh, their Tyler Dirt and his fucking Dan Crenshaw. Oh God! Wait, Dan Crenshaw gets uh, the endorsement of Mickey Mouse, and we're fucked. <laughs> Disney like unloading all their money on Crenshaw ads. Oh, he's real. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, but I do think we're lucky that they have uh Ben Shapiro and uh, what's his face, uh, the Canadian guys, Stephen Crowder, and not someone who's like actually charismatic and good and scary. <laughs> like they, that is always strange. Politics aside, of Ben Shapiro, he he has zero charisma. Yeah. I don't know how he does it. I don't know. Well, have you seen him in a cowboy hat? Yeah. <laughs> it looks like so, it looks like someone put like it looks like one of those like uh oh, lawn gnomes you get from like Lugenbach, Texas, like a little gas station there. It's like <laughs> Man, big, a bitch cop and be like, Well who's this little deputy? <laughs> He's like, I'm not a I'm not a lawn ornament, I'm Ben Shapiro I'm like, oh shit <laughs> I don't know, is that more scary than that like because obviously someone that is Brad Pitt is going to make you like them. But someone like Ben Shapiro, who has nothing to offer anyone, getting people to like them, that to me is scarier, I think. <laughs> yeah. I guess they love his uh, fact-based arguments. Now, I've, now I'm imagining Ben Shapiro doing the scene in the basement where he's like, you don't know where I've been. But he's like, you don't know where I've been. And just like spitting on... <laughs> That mobster guy. <laughs> Excuse me, Lou. You don't know where I'm at. You don't know where I'm at. <laughs> oh, you don't know where I'm at. Can I talk about that scene of Fight Club where that guy goes down to the basement and is like, why are you using my basement? And then beats the shit out of Brad Pitt. And then Brad Pitt just bleeds on him. And he's like, whoa, have whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, that's also, that's also very weird to me that like that bar is like a very... 1999 like grunge Bukowski guy bar where they're they walk in they're playing like Tom Waits songs and then some like gabagool gangsters like what are you doing in my bar this is my fucking bar over here it's like that guy doesn't own this yeah. bar <laughs> and if he does he doesn't give a fuck there's a fight club in the basement because it's a front for some type of weird mob thing the, the squeamish mob boss is a very funny archetype <laughs> just like no I'm sorry <laughs> Also, before we move on to Office Space, I would just like to give a shout out to the beautifully directed MTV award winning fight scene uh, between Edward Norton and Edward Norton <laughs> when he b- proceeds to beat the shit out of himself oh, in his yeah. boss's <laughs> office. All jokes oh, aside, yeah. that's a that good scene. fight scene is cool. <laughs> and also, that brings us to uh, a very important point uh, Project Mayhem. Funded by corporations, because he even says it. He's like, we have corporate backing now. So, there, there is a scene in that though that confuses me. Where I think like the entire part of the movie, like we've missed it all. It's when he's fighting himself, and then there's a shot of the security camera where he's dragging himself by his own hair. So Brad Pitt's character is quite 
like possibly an actual poltergeist and not <laughs> like this is a ghost story. <laughs> this is a ghost story. That would be cool if it. Um, I have two things I want to cover before we move on to office space. I'm sorry this is going a little long, but uh, the problem I have with the end when they blow up the credit card companies, like even in 1999, that's not how like erasing debt worked, right? Like in 1999, they had computers, right? So blowing up those buildings, they didn't have like. Maybe all the servers would have been kept in there. Like the the, the cloud hadn't happened yet. And like oh, if FICO had happened now, you'd be like, "Oh, that's okay. Like everything's in like this fucking office in Mumbai. Like we're yeah. fine." Like, <laughs> oh, <shit>. terrorism. <laughs> that's why in the Fight Club comic and the sequel, uh, Tyler Durden's uh, operation has gone global with like concerted attacks all at once to wipe out like society. See, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. So what's when did this comic come out? Uh, Fight Club 2 came out, I believe, in 2015. So I think Polonia could see, like, oh, something oh, bad where has this happened was going. with my work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot about, uh, there's a big theme of, you know, you can't run away from the things that you create, no matter what you do. Um, both for uh, Edward Norton's character, as he sees that, oh, Fight Club is still going on, so it's Project Mayhem. And then for Polonia, when he's like, I can't do anything to get rid of Tyler Durden. Even if I made this comic that made him into a total sissy and he died, everyone would be so fucking mad at me. <laughs> then Fight Club 3 came out last year, and I have not seen it yet. Or I have not read it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. What if he's like, surprise, Proud Boys are good. <laughs> <laughs> I bought in. <laughs> him and Alan Moore just write a Proud Boys graphic novel together. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, Alan Moore, yeah. You could tell what bars were in by Alan Moore because they would just be like Tyler Durden going like, Batman's for stupid, poopy, baby idiots. <laughs> <laughs> read my weird, read my weird, watch my weird one-man show about like a clown who's the moon or some whatever the fuck he's doing now. I don't, I don't know. Alan Moore's a weirdo. I like him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about the last movie on the docket talking about office space which to me is was my favorite of uh the three i love this movie i think it's great oh yeah it's also filmed 15 minutes away from where i live right now nice yeah the uh what's the restaurant jennifer aniston works at what's the name of it like mcgillicuddy's tchotchkes that's a city bank now (laughs) it's (laughs) i loved office space I, I, every time I watch that movie, I have such a great time with it. It is so incredibly amazing. I'm such a Mike Judge fan. I love it, love it, love it. Yeah. Uh, the thing, the big takeaway from all three of these movies is that everybody, the main character in all of these movies, hates their job. They're in a dumb job, and they have a revelation related to their job. Right. That opens them up. And what sets off a space apart from this, because I was a, a little curious as to why I included office space instead of say like falling down but office space is about this guy finds out everyone's gonna get fucked over and he tells everyone he tells his friends yeah hey i'm gonna help you like get yours before this company goes under it this movie had the best politics to me like it yeah i don't know what mike judge like stands on the political spectrum but this did have a lot of like you know uh it was like a very strong pro worker pro solidarity 
uh, they have the scene where they're having like, where he flat out says that the uh, Ron Livingston character, where he's like, yeah, you guys keep like raising the prices and making more money and we don't get paid anything. And it's like, this is like literally like Marxism. You're like doing a Marxism, Mike Judge. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, so, he's questioning the surplus value and like, yeah, he, he, like, literally, right? he like literally does that in that scene with the Scrubs guy and the other dude. Well, he also used to work, he worked in Dallas for a software development company back when it was the Silicon Prairie. So I think he's pulling from a lot of like, oh, y'all are just outsourcing all of our fucking jobs to California and yeah. it's either lay us off or we got to move and give up everything. So I think he's he's coming from a very real place and that's why it smacks of like genuine frustration and humor in it. Not only that, but all the characters are real. I, I, I'm sure all of us have worked in an office job in some capacity and like that scene, the lady who picks up the phone and answers the exact same way every time. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, I've got an I. Uh, well, never mind. I'm not gonna. In case any of my coworkers listen to this, <laughs> I'm. Not, I've just got some coworkers that say the same fucking thing every day, and it drives me crazy. It's a. Uh... I don't know. Like, yeah, I feel like Mike. I feel like obviously this is the most grounded of the three. But yeah. also, I feel like Mike Judge is the most kind of like in touch with um, kind of working people. If that makes sense, I feel like the other two yeah. kind of had, po- but they were using them as like bigger things to be like, I want more from life. I deserve more in life. But I feel like Mike Judge, it was kind of like, isn't this fucked? Isn't this like whole system yeah. of capitalism like fucked? And I feel like the movie do- it does dig into kind of like. Um, alienation like uh the uh kind of where just like work just becomes you and you have to go like yeah and not only that but like it it, 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 he's in an industry where the work has become something that while it does become you you become so detached from it because you can't see it like he's changing code for banks that he doesn't own that he doesn't have any stake in and he just has to go through lo- thousands of lines of code instead of like, this is a chair that I built. Like, he well, doesn't see the fruits of his well, labor, yeah, but he does complain about the price. Well, that's exactly like the marks there of alienation, where it's like you, one, you're just working at a job you really don't give a shit about. You're detached from the work you're doing because to you it's meaningless. Work is literally just something for you to survive. But then at that point, like, what do you, like, you just become like kind of so reliant on like, these moments where you're like at where you go get coffee at the restaurant or where you're like drinking beer with your weird neighbor. Like you just become reliant on these little moments. You don't have like any interest or anything outside of this job and just beats you down and you become detached to capital. And you're just kind of like, can, can I share a story that uh, is exactly what you're talking about, Travis? Yeah. It's when I, all right. So I used to work at this call center um, for Baylor College of Medicine. And my job was basically telling people who just got Obamacare that we no longer accepted Obamacare or government oh, insurance ever. Holy it was, shit. Yeah. And so people would call <laughs> and be like, I just got my eight-year-old son healthcare for his epilepsy. And I'm like, ah, sorry. And it, it was awful. Like I, I hated it. I was crying all the time. I was just like stress shitting. And the only thing that got me through the week was on Thursdays, the cafeteria sold chicken enchiladas. 
And <laughs> yeah, and I wrote this story about it. And somebody read it. It was like, are you being satirical? Because this is wildly depressing. I'm like, I'm not. Like, that is yeah. the only thing that kept me from swallowing, like, the barrel of a fucking gun. Is eating these fucking enchiladas. <laughs> and that's, like, the... That's, like, kind of the big problem with, I think, like, capitalism as it's constructed now. And I feel like Office Space did a good job of, like, predicting that going forward. Where it's kind of all, like tech-based and everything's being outsourced and yeah. uh where it's just kind of like they have you like work and work and that's the problem with the fucking gig economy where like all the uber and lyft and all that shit is like um you get to set your own hours and it's like i don't i was doing it before i got laid off just to earn money to like help my kids that i was coaching like have books and shit and it's like they were giving you like two dollars an order, like to make a living wage. You have to work like twelve hours a day to get to make like a living wage, especially in a city like Austin or Houston or Seattle. Like you have yeah. to, and it's like your life literally becomes you being an Uber driver, and it's just like yeah. you have to find these little things to keep you from not like losing your fucking mind. And it shouldn't be that way. <laughs> exactly. That yeah. that's the, like the great thing about Office Space. Like in comparison to the other two, it's like this movie uh, actually has good politics and good organizing. Actually, because they're like the main character is like, oh, like I'm not getting any like anything from the fruits of my labor. So they come up with a scheme to be able to you know cash in on yeah. the actual work that they do. They politicize the workplace, which is like a big no-no, like especially in Texas, like yeah. a, as a what is it like right to work state. Mm -hmm. uh, but like when you politicize the workplace, then you actually get the goods, right? Like as you get more of the profits or whatever. Like that's like the Matrix relies on like this like weird like Jesus character, and then uh, Fight Club's relying on like this guy that uh, clearly has mental issues that you know you shouldn't take so seriously, and maybe don't organize around him. But like Office Space is good. Yeah, everyone comes together to form the plan. And there's there's also just like weird like little things in Office Space too. Like I mentioned the thing with Fight Club that kind of the the conservative talking point of why it's on their side is like, see, the, they strip them of their names and blah, blah, blah. And their individuality where it's like the, sh the scene at shenanigans where they're talking about the flair. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, you, we have a problem with your flair. And she's like, I have 15. It's like, you don't want to do the bare minimum. Right. And it's like, you're trying to, that's the thing. Capitalism is trying to make it be like, you can wear it. They did the Hawaiian shirt thing at the beginning. It's like, oh, you can do this thing that's like wacky and fun that like shows yeah. your personality, but it's in the confines of this shitty thing. And it's like, no, it strips you of who you are because like in real life, that Jennifer Aniston character wouldn't wear any of those. It's crazy, too, because like you also see this like even in like so when I used to work as a substitute teacher, like teachers freak the fuck out over Jean Friday, mm -hmm. like when they get to wear jeans and like that is insane because like teachers are union a lot of them are unionized so like they can organize for like real things but yeah. like they're just 
they like just a gene Friday is usually good enough. And it's like, that's not a real, like that, that's not a real win. Like what the fuck? Like, why are you celebrating? You get anything out of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like what a uh, union leader in Nevada was trying to say, like, get the fuck out of here, Bernie. We don't need Medicare for all. We fought for healthcare all on our own. Huh? <laughs> you shouldn't have to. Yeah, it's like if everyone has health care, then guess what? You can be like, hey, like 40-hour work week? Fuck that. Like let's do something less or get paid more. You know, like you can move on to step two of getting a better yeah. life. Right. Certain place. things are guaranteed as like human rights. Yeah. yeah. Right. Instead <laughs> of like a fucking carrot they're dangling in front of you and being like, like health care, but you have to work. Oh weekends another big takeaway for me from office space was the the neighbor just how happy he was yeah when he was like yeah i'm doing a drywall at mcdonald's so he can see the labor that he's doing physically he can see it and then when they ask him what would you do with the million dollars he's just so simple it's like two chicks at the same time (laughs) (laughs) i think that's just so funny but also like wow that's the happiest guy in this whole fucking movie i also think that scene is that's my favorite scene in the movie when he's like hey does anyone ever say you got a case on the mondays and he's like no no man oh god no and it's like I do uh, another joke that I thought was really funny, and like now that I'm in my 30s, I appreciate it a lot more than when the first time I saw it. But when they ask, like, what are we going to do if we're still working at Enitech in 20 years? And uh, I actually just goes, oh man, it'd be great to have a uh, job security like that. Like, <laughs> oh, fuck. Right. Like that's actually a true thing in America where I have to be on the side of like, oh man, that'd be great. <laughs> if you knew for a fact your job may be shitty, but you will have it for twenty years. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. And like not uh fearing losing your job would get you more likely to be like paid more because you would have the time to, you know actually know that you could fight for those things if yeah. you needed to and move up the corporate ladder yeah <laughs> figure out if you want to join the management training program <laughs> become assistant supervisor to uh whatever the fuck kind of weird team you're on and this is kind of i don't know if this ties in it, it might but like so i got laid off and i've like i've been applying for jobs um they're going to give me a call, but I'm going to do like package delivering for Amazon because I just need to like survive and shit. And I don't want yeah. to do it. And those companies are like exploited. At the same time, I'm like reading about like White House staff is already getting like the uh, COVID uh, vaccine. Yeah. And it's like, to this people you're not even giving like stimulus to. And it's like, I was thinking like, I didn't get like, they had these people that were like complaining on Twitter, being like, "Oh, I have to stay home. I don't get to work." And it's like, "Dude, I had to work this whole time. So many people. I know Kenny had to work the whole time. Yeah. Amador, you had to work. Amador was working. I don't know if it's okay to you. You were working on like an Air Force base. Yeah, I was. I was working at Fort Sam, and like they were not taking any precautions. And like I was working around military people who like are all weird libertarian assholes. So. Yeah. 
Like they don't, they're like wearing a mask. I'm 32 and I got a beer good. I'm healthy. It's like, all right, man. But with like, but, but it's that weird thing where you get like Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and all those perverts being like, we need to like stick together and we need to like fight for each other. And then at the same time, it's like, you're not doing anything for us and office space. And it's kind of like the world's become like a big office in and of itself, kind of where they use that kind of like corporate language. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Like an office family. Space, we're all one big family and you're part of the America team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when like, uh, like justice, like, activists like fight for something like i don't know defund the police they say we see you we hear you but also quit saying that yeah then they steal our stapler and make us go work in the basement (laughs) yeah 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 you're right about that it's uh fucking gross (laughs) but it is that kind of like there's so many people that like you know like fucking the uber drivers or like what am i doing now with the packet delivering packages for christmas it's like these people aren't getting like you know time to quarantine. They're not getting like time off to quarantine, and you're going. That's the equivalent of them being like, of the the boss being like, yeah, you got to come in on Saturday and Sunday. It's like well, yeah. you're asking everyone to make these sacrifices, but at the same time you're reaping all the benefits of everyone's sacrifice, and it's just like America's moving into like it's just like a big corporation with office politics. And it's like, that is, that is the really growth part about it is that after Thanksgiving, you know, we, you have people and I personally, I don't give a shit what anybody did during Thanksgiving. I, no matter what you did, no matter how you felt about it, I personally felt like you probably had a tough year and you really want to see your family. I'm not going to tell you to spend the holidays alone. Right. Like, Oh, your mental state is so fragile. No, you have to be in isolation (laughs) at your apartment. I can't do that. And this time for Christmas too, like I know if I asked my boss, they'd probably let me do this, but a lot of companies aren't um, saying, okay, Christmas is coming up. If you want to see your family for the next 10 days, work from home and start quarantining. Like you said, there's no time. So there's no option, and then people are going to do it anyway, and they're going to get it, and they're going to spread it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I also have been having to go into work every day, if you can't tell. <laughs> it stresses me the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. my, my experience has been a little bit different. With, uh, it's not corporate. It's a small business that, obviously, mm. if we are closed, like there's a, there's a good chance of the business going under. So mm. there's, like, there's like eight employees. But it's another situation where, like, I we did like restricted hours for like a month, and then I was at work full time. So I've been an essential worker this entire time. I've been tested several times throughout the year because clients of ours will come in and I'd be like, uh, "Oh yeah, by the way, uh, I I have COVID." I'm like, "Okay, cool." So now I got to go get tested, and I got to go to work the next day after I get tested. So I better hope that it comes up negative in three days. Because, fuck it. If I if I don't, then to, to be fair, I though, Kenny, my like two thousand dollar fucking rent every month. To be fair, you work at the COVID factory, though, right? <laughs> the company that makes all the COVID. <laughs> Dude, I bought some of your bats. They taste great. <laughs> it's I don't know. It's I yeah. Office Space definitely has the best politics. Uh, yeah. 
And, like, I like all the stuff Mike Judge does. I think, like, idiocracy kind of veers into uh, eugenics-y kind of... Uh, not eugenics-y. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh, but you know what I mean? It. I, I feel like that's the least kind of, like, quote-unquote, like, woke of his, like, work. Uh, but King of the Hill definitely has episodes that are, like, very left. Yeah. And I thought Silicon Valley was, like, very good. I feel like everything he does is kind of sticking it to the right person for the most part. You know what I mean? I feel like his he's always like aiming high at his target. So I don't want to like look into his personal politics because I don't want him to be one of those waiters who's like, yeah, I'm actually like a libertarian. Uh, <laughs> Guess what? Surprise. Tricked you all. <laughs> and then just be bummed. <laughs> but like, but, but yeah, Office Space like really... Office Space is, like, a weird movie because I think you can watch it when you're, like... I remember watching it when I was, like, 18 and smoking weed and just being like, this built-in guy is fucking funny, man. (laughs) (laughs) And now, like, watching... Every year that I've gotten older and watch it, like, I like it more and more. Like, it makes more sense to me. It's great. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Over, like Travis just walks away. Oh, that was the end of the (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, uh, I have to give my dog some water to drink. I Uh. love it. That's how the podcast ended. Like, you just walked away, and then just we were like, I guess goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I think the reason I picked the, the wrap it up, I think the reason I picked these three movies is one i didn't want to watch uh, american beauty <laughs> for obvious reasons like i said earlier i just don't want to even though i feel like it fits in this uh, but they all kind of deal with similar themes but in different ways <laughs> where i feel like uh the matrix is like QAnon, 4chan weirdos fight club is um proud boys and then office space is good people Office Space is DSA people. Yeah. And they all kind of deal with like disenfranchised workers and I don't know, just kind of like fatigue of like consumerism. Um to various degrees. You know, but I feel like they all deal with that. And I feel like that's an interesting thing that they all came out at this time when there was like you know, everything was seemingly prosperous in America. Yeah. It seems like it's more rebel, um, rebelling against, like, having to have a, like, a nuclear family or, like, a nuclear life. Where now I feel like people are, like, upset that they don't have that option even. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I I have cousins and stuff who are like 23, 24, who are just like, you know, they're just like furious that they have to like work at like a construction site or something. Because I have older cousins who graduated around this time and like uncles and stuff who were like, you know, in their 20s at this time, who did get jobs like Neo had in the Matrix. Where it's like, oh, you're just good at computers? You get to work in this office job. You have security now for your 20s. 
Or there's shows like Friends where no one knew what any of the fuck those people did in the 90s. And they're just like, yeah, we live in this like crazy apartment. And now it's just like, I don't know. I feel, uh, yeah, I feel like now that the, like the shit with the computers and coding and stuff was still so new that there were people, you know, the age we are now that were just like, I'm set because I don't know how to do this thing. And now it's like, there's so many of that tough shit. Have fun driving a lift for shitheads. And it's just like, I feel like the disenfranchisement is different. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. A weird, oh, go ahead, Kenny. Uh, I don't know if you guys, but a weird thing that I've noticed with like uh, disenchantment or just being like disconnected is like working every day and like dealing with people who are inevitably like much well more well off and catering to those people, like watching a death toll of like 3,000 people an hour a day die. It's just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, it's this weird connect where, like, I wear a mask 10 hours a day, five days a week. I work these long-ass fucking hours. And, like, I'm watching the death toll be, like, worse than it ever was. And it's, like, this weird game where, like, yeah, if you are going to work every day, if you're doing this, like, you're taking precautions, but at the same time, you're being forced to, like, pretend that this is not happening that this is just like some weird like this is something that's happening away but it's not it's like no everybody like i've had like three clients in the past week that have had contact with covid like it's a thing that's very real and i know a lot of people that have had it i know people that have died from it so it's this weird fucking game. I don't know. Watching those, those movies is like fucked in 1999. Like, fuck those assholes. But like, what the fuck? Like, it's disconnect. They're just having to like pretend that, oh, we're not completely fucked. But, I don't it's, know. That's depressing. <laughs> it's going to be weird to see what kind of art comes out of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, I don't know. It's either going to get like stupider, where it's going to be like more Captain Americas and more kind of tenets and more like this is big dumb things, or it's going to be more like angsty kind of like Fight Club esque kind of stuff. I don't. Know. I think it's. I think it's definitely going to be angsty. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people are not able to put into like words what's happening, but it's like. Dude, like, growing up, like, 2001, like, 9-11 and beyond, like, like obviously always being skeptical, but at the same time, like, being pumped full of that, like, American exceptionalist, like, patriotic bullshit. Like, even if you, like, recognize that it's bullshit, and then, like, going into this pandemic and, like, our country essentially abandoning us, I can't be put in, like, any other words. Like, that's, that's going to fuck a lot of people up. I think that's definitely going to be the theme of art i don't know so it's gonna be a uh, one-act play that's like basically the new zoo story where it's just two people stuck in an apartment that they go through <laughs> their entire relationship for one hour oh and that's gonna win like a fucking tony god damn it it's gonna star like fucking... it's gonna be edie falco 
Oh, you're gonna go with like mid fit. I was gonna Louis go with C.K. Yeah, Louis oh, C.K. Louis C.K. and Lena <laughs> Dunham. Comeback. It's gonna be Lena Dunham and Louis C.K. It's gonna win thirty thousand Tonys. Not even thirty thousand categories, but just gonna get nominated every year. He's gonna have like a cool uh, freedom of speech like monologue, like in the middle of the play. That people like applaud. Yeah. What they and they maintain character while the forty-five minute standing ovation. <laughs> you know what I think they should do? I think for this year, since there's like no movies coming out, just give the Oscar to Hubie Halloween and then be like, "This is it. It's done. We're restarting until you stop making stupid shit and just yeah. start like go back to the times in like the seventies where everything was like gritty and fucked up." And it's like, that's yeah. how movies are now. <laughs> Everything else go. All your superhero movies go to Disney Plus. And in theaters, you only get, like, fucking Taxi Driver. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I'd love that. That'd be cool. I don't know. The death, of the, the death of the Cineplex is needed much more than the death of the theater. Oh, like, get rid of those 24-room theaters. Give me six screens. Well, I was... I was reading like an interview with uh, like I'm I'm super into Dune. I think Dune is the bee's knees. I think it's swell. Uh, but and the but the director of it was saying talking about like the HBO Max deal, and I was like, oh, you're gonna be one of those assholes who's like, my vision needs to be seen on the big screen, like fucking Nolan, where he's like, my movie deserves to be seen, or Tarantino, one of these dipshits who's like, my art needs to be seen on the biggest screen possible, but what he was saying was like, no, the HBO Max deal was because this company is fucking failing and they needed capital and they're injecting it in this way and they're going to kill this franchise. And I was like, that makes more sense than Christopher Nolan. Being like, My big dumb spy movie used to be seen in IMAX. And it's like, oh, Christopher Nolan also was the first of these big directors to be like, hey, think about all these like union guys that work on these movies who are going to get fucked on residuals yeah like the warner brother thing much like the spotify payout changes these things are phenomenal for the consumers but absolutely devastating for anyone who has a hand on any of these movies i'm so excited to watch dune at home but then reading that interview was like oh fuck there's a yeah. lot of people who aren't going to get paychecks <laughs> that's how i felt where i was like i want to i i would love to watch dune and i'd love to watch fucking whatever a24 batman that weird robert pattinson bat i'd love to just watch those movies at my house but at the same time yeah. it's like i agree with you and that was the whole thing with quibi where their whole business model was like uh we're gonna make these things short and sweet so you can just watch them when you're like taking a shit but it was like uh, no the uh, reason it, you're uh, doing that is to fuck over like unionized workers and Please don't talk bad about Kibi. I have a sizable investment. <laughs> oh, I hate to break it to I'm you, but I'm uh, rebooting Quibi with original content like The Marriage Ref 2. <laughs> Stop popping back. <laughs> you should reboot Quibi, but also but make everything five and a half hours long so everyone gets paid overtime. <laughs> Just be like, look, we're constantly losing money, but also. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's the episode. Um, 
Thanks for joining us, Connor. Uh, you got anything to plug? Thanks for having me, boys. This was a lot of fun. Got any plugs? Oh, uh, yeah. Go ahead and watch my Twitch show, FM Rager. FM Rager. It's uh, Monday nights, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, twitch.tv slash effinrager. That's E-F-F-I-N-R-A-G-E-R. Go listen to It That A Foul. It's my sports podcast that I do with my sports nut friend. I don't know anything about sports, and he teaches me something new every week. And then uh, go to connorclifton.com for all my other shit. Oh, yeah. And I have done the Effin Rager show, and it's a very fun, it's a very good show. Uh, I'm you. a fan of your sports you. podcast. I like how you don't know shit about shit. <laughs> I don't know anything. Um, and I'm always, I'm always like trying to guess at who the athletes are. I, my co-host helped me. He gave me some notes for what to say about the Rockets at the top of the show. There's some peeling back of the curtain. I was like, who are the players? <laughs> who are the players that you were talking about Harden with love? I remember, like, I remember when you guys were first doing it and you sent me like a rough, like copy of like the first few episodes yeah. and uh, you do it with who, who who do you do it with it's cody right oh yeah my yeah. friend cody where i was like oh cool yeah because he was like my favorite player is was like steve francis the name of these players i'm like oh hell i remember that guy and then you're like oh what is a three-point line and i'm like oh god yeah, I, 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 I said my favorite player was uh Bugs Mosby, because I couldn't remember Bugsy Bugs. <laughs> Bugs Mosby sounds like a like a fucking Scorsese character. Well, Bugs is also the name of his co-star in Space Jam. Yeah, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Space Jam Two also coming to HBO Max. Can't wait! Can't wait! I can wait for that. I'm not. Fucking what worked on that movie? I can't wait to see it at all. <laughs> A24's Space Jam 2 <laughs> coming soon. Directed by Robert Eggers. <laughs> Alright. So yeah, that's the episode. Uh, you can follow us on Apple Podcast and SoundCloud. We have a Facebook where we just get screamed at by right-wing assholes constantly uh, about breadlines. So you can go on that if you want. Um, yeah. Rain's uh, rate and review. Give us five stars. Even if you want to talk shit about us, just give us five stars. We don't care. We <laughs> are cucks. So goodbye for ever. Goodbye.